really get into the nitty-gritty behind monsters from different lore. However, there is a general focus on D&D. We are players and DMs, so we draw from our experience with different tabletop RPGs. And we tend to go off on tangents every so often. If you're looking for facts and historical value, this may not be the podcast for you. But if you love discussing monsters and all of their potential just for fun, then we got you covered. Adult content warning, and with all that out of the way, my name is Dylan, and I'm joined once again by my two brave monster hunters. I'm Alex. And I'm Melina. And this is Mornings with Monsters. Today, we are discussing a gentler creature, something a little bit smaller, something lawful good as far as the stat blocks concerned uh, something from a different plane that we haven't discussed yet one of the rare types of creature uh just as far as how many creatures exist on each plane the holyphant kind of runs around where the deities and angels also run around uh the holyphant is cute it treasures friendship and honesty it's a miniature elephant uh with two to four wings that flutter as fast as a hummingbird's and it zips around with a 120 foot flying speed yeah my goodness this thing is fast and also really slow if it's not flying because it's only got a 20 foot uh walking speed or movement okay, speed. Now i want a pet holly fence so i can name it i so i can name it the golden snitch Oh, uh, I mean, basically, Elle wants to name her as Heffalump. Heffalump. Yes. It is adorable. If if yes. you guys have never seen a Hollyphant, which wouldn't be surprising because unless you're playing Descent into Avernus, you've you've haven't encountered one. Uh, unless your DMs used them, and it's possible. But us, I don't think any of us really knew what a Hollyphant was before. Nope. We decided to look into the celestial side of things. You will see some buzzing around the astral sea. Yeah. You know, something else I realized, a side note, as we were looking into something, you know, different that we haven't discussed yet. We haven't really discussed a uh, lawful good creature. I think the closest Ooh. thing yeah. we came to was the griffin, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if those are lawful good, but they're maybe like lawful like, neutral or I don't remember. Yeah. But uh, there's not actually a ton of celestial type monsters so unless if you take angels out of the picture which is a big chunk and most yeah. of them are npcs and like standalones with names uh, right. if you take them out there's only like a dozen celestial like canon 5e celestial monsters and that might be more now because i i'm not 100 percent up to date on all the books but that's not a lot i mean you, you flip no. through the monster manual like there's demons devils <laughs> constructs yeah. like those things there's tons of which i thought was weird because there's so many spells that are like detect celestial or speak celestial and like it's so prominent like you see that word celestial so much in D D 5e and yeah it's you're not going to use it that much I mean, and I mean, at the level that you would be, you, you've got a lot of stuff to deal with yeah. if you're talking to angels. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, or you're God. Yeah, and if you're dealing with celestials, unless you are doing something evil, like, you're not going to be fighting them t- too much. Obviously, there's, like, some angels with 
you know, different motives and stuff. But if you're just like walking around the celestial plane, like the creatures there aren't really going to be attacking you. No. And I, I would say one of the things you would most commonly run into in the celestial plane is the holly fan. Yeah. And that little guy, he might play some tricks on you, but they are not going to be uh, that of like a fae creature with nefarious intent. They just nope. live forever and they're bored and they like to mess around with people. Um, but other than that, they are they are good little boys and, and girls and theys and they just fly around helping good people doing good things. They're super, yeah. super cute. Go look them up. Should we talk about some of the cool parts of them? Yeah, let, yeah. I mean yeah absolutely we should uh everything about them is cool i i want to go into the best and coolest aspect of them real like right away is your favorite aspect of them it's the (laughs) fact that they have two true two true forms yeah i was going to say that's my favorite thing love that it's it's amazing that this tiny little two foot long fuzzy like winged elephant who wants to basically like surprise you with a toot of its horn and then give you a hug right after can also turn into once per day a massive 13 foot mammoth on two legs so 18 feet tall like from shoulder to foot standing height yeah with full-sized mammoth trunks instead of the like stubby trunk uh i mean tusks that the uh that they have in their holly form yeah and giant leather wings Mm -hmm. like these things can be mounts to celestials they can be devastating weapons on their own because they retain their flying speed uh, in both forms which is insane insane you have a you have a 10,000 pound animal with a 24 strength stat flying at 160 feet per turn yeah that's which can do damage by itself just yeah just because of sheer force sheer force and i think uh the most fun thing about it is that uh it can change once a day as a spell to justify how it does so in gameplay but technically it is both forms like it yep like if you have true sight you're going to see it's gonna fuck with your your brain a little bit because you're going to see both forms uh as its true form so yep. you'll see them kind of coexist in the same same creature but yeah yeah that, could you imagine like scary. having true sight before you saw one for the first time and then you see this tiny little being like in physical reality but maybe mirrored behind them or shadowed behind them is the like colossus version of yeah. them and they're both real yeah and when I first started looking at the Holly fan, I was like, oh, this guy's awesome. He, I was surprised to see his like hit points being so low, but there's kind of reasons for that. Yeah. Change, I transform. Immediately, my first thought was, this guy looks like a Pokemon or a Digimon in the way that like he should have a second form. So I was yeah. delighted to find delighted. that he does. He does indeed. Crazy. And it is, it is beastly. Super beastly. And like the and, mammoth stat blocks, no joke. Right now, does the mammoth retain the aura of invulnerability that the? I would let it <laughs> if I was DMing. I think I think it would be, in my opinion, yeah. Yeah, I I think. It... Well, I feel like everything about it stays 
the same other than the size and appearance like yeah some of the stats change but be, it's because of like the size that they change yeah uh, i would imagine like everything else about it stays the same like kind of like when you are like with druids at a certain level like you can still do everything you can do even if you are a squirrel you okay. know yeah, yeah, but like, that, that's not all the time, right? You have to... No, you have to be a level whatever the fuck. It's pretty so. high, I think. Like, um, Yeah, it's like level 18. Archdruid, oh, okay. maybe. But I mean, we are talking um, about celestial beings, so like, that's not too no. far exactly. off. Well, that's why I'm like, I'm pretty sure they they probably have that, that ability. Um, but no, even at like... So with my like alpine... Or with my symbiotic entity, it's kind of like that. Like I have like this second form that I can go into, and yeah. everything about me technically stays the same, except for like a few couple things. But I can still, I still have all the functions that I have. I just have like a little bit of extra. Yeah, I think the way I kind of like to think about it is we have um, a shifter in my campaign. Well, we have two now. Um, yeah. But essentially, like, both forms are their true form, right? Like, mm -hmm. they just shift between them. It's not a transformation. It's, it's Although, considered a shift. <clears throat> I guess with Ellen's, she has two forms in her transformation. Yeah, yeah, there's... And, and like, the, I, I would say, because she, I don't think she has her monk abilities or stats no. in the, like, full tiger form. No, and that's a little bit different, I think, because... Yeah. She is still, um, was she an elf or a human? Human. Human. Uh, she's still a human at, at the base. Like, mm. um, she has all the, you know, attributes a human would have, whereas our shifter, like, that's his, his race, is shifter. Gotcha. So there gotcha. is a bit of a difference. Like, uh, when this you get physiology a... physiology made for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, I think he was born a shifter versus like taking it on, um, as a secondary trait like, like or something. Yeah. yeah. So there's right. a bit, there's a, it's a little bit different there. So maybe, maybe in our shifters is more of a, he has two true forms. Like if you see true sight, you might see both as well. That'd be cool. So I kind of think of it like that and he can still, you know, turn into a, a, a were cat and uses ranger stuff. True. Yeah. So. A little bit different than uh, than Weiss, our human monk, were tiger, <laughs> who who can shift into uh, the the bipedal and the you know and the, the tiger form. So yeah. I guess that's a little different. You've done both. Anyway, yeah. back to the Holly fans. Back to the yeah. Holly fans. These little guys. I we touched briefly on the fact that uh, I was personally surprised to see something like that. Seems like. You know, it's a celestial living among very powerful things, only having uh, hit points of 36. But I think part of the reason is because you can't really hit this guy. <laughs> He's uh, yeah. AC of 18, speed of 160, that's or 120. That's crazy. Yeah. Could you imagine a Hollyphant dashing? <laughs> 240 yeah. feet in one turn. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Well, they also have their psionic creatures. They so, right. like, they can do things from afar and pretty much Every magical spell ability they have in their like repertoire is like protection, get away, go away. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. 
Still instantly. <laughs> I think we've said it a couple times at this point, but let's talk about the aura of invulnerability. Because yeah. that is an absolutely insane spell. Not even spell, just a, like a part trait, of it. I guess. Yeah. You know, normally when you have a buff on your character or an NPC or whatever, a monster, normally you have to maintain concentration to keep the effect going. The aura of invulnerability, you have to uh, maintain concentration for it not to be a thing. So if they want yep. to be affected by something, they have to uh, you basically utilize it as a concentration spell just to negate the effects. So... Aura of Invulnerability is a 10-foot radius sphere around the Hollyphant uh, that lasts as long as it lives. Uh, any any spell of 5th level or lower that's cast outside this barrier cannot affect the creature or objects within it. So it can also protect its um, in basically entire party. I mean, if they're all standing yeah. around it, yep. uh, which is nuts. <laughs> uh, and that's not only 5th level spells. Uh that could be anything, like if you cast a first, second, or third, uh, fourth level spell at a higher level, it still doesn't work. Yeah. Which is nuts. It's nuts. It's also got resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, slashing from non-magical, can't be poisoned. So it's hard to actually hit. Not to yep. mention it's not, it can attack with its small little tusks, but uh, for the most part, it's not even taking direct combat. It's it's doing things from the back. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's it's not it's not going into close combat. It's a spellcaster. It's it's got different kind of ranged attacks. But if you're like unlucky enough to be an evil aligned character in a place that you're confronted with many of these Holly fans at one time, you're gonna be kind of screwed because they they will know for a fact that they can handle you. Yep. in a group and they will bombard you with psychic attacks that i don't know many people who many things who have psychic resistance you know yeah that's true this thing reminds me a lot of like a fey creature um yeah and but i would say the the big difference between this and a fey creature other than it's like you know not being chaotic is that it's not it's not sneaking around it's it's very like it's going to defend the righteous, and I think there's something about it that, like, it can't bear witness to an evil act without yep. uh, punishing the malefactor. So, like, it will not let injustice uh, go unimpeded, which yeah. is... If it's only by itself, it, it's going to watch what happens, and it's going to go find, like, a solar or a higher level angel and that that thing will come down on you, you Yeah, know? and then it's going to turn into a giant... Uh, a giant hollyphant mammoth and help it <laughs> yeah and you don't want that scary 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 yeah so I, it reminds me of a fae just because of like some of its abilities and and but typically when you see something like this uh in the fae it's not going to stick around to mm -mm. uh do battle with you and the hollyphant nope. is going to stick around and do battle with you not to mention the way i like to th like my kind of headcanon for these things is they're like they're like the deer or squirrel of the celestial realm. Like that's how common they would be. Okay. Um, at least for me personally, because from what I read, it's like they. It seems like this thing's flying around all over the place in the celestial. I feel realm. like it would be more like a squirrel be because of the personality traits it has. Like yeah. it's a little bit more tricksy, but also not evil or anything. You know. I get not, that. Not... See, I think of it kind of like a cat. Just oh like, yeah. 
like it in its playfulness as far as like the trick just like it liking to kind of mess with you a little bit because yeah. like it's not actually gonna hurt you like right. a cat that likes you yeah because it's like they're just gonna be a little playful and they're it's gonna be like what are you doing rather than a like yeah it's not pushing your coffee ta- coffee mug off the table but it might do something silly or like maybe even crows to be honest with you yeah true you know like crows don't really like to watch evil things they'll like find the way that a, one of their like numbers have been murdered and contemplate the death and stuff so it's it's an interesting tie-in to a lot of our creatures on earth stalk the murderer right yeah would a yeah. holly fan stalk the murderer like crows would though i mean I'd if be- it could be in contact with someone who could help it do things to it yeah probably i could see that i guess i don't know how holly fan I didn't super read much on how Hollyfants interact with each other. I I saw something that they've worked together in war efforts. Mm-hmm. Not okay. I don't know necessarily about their uh, ecology, like their societal structure or anything. But Me neither. There's like a lot of pictures of them, like as war beasts of war besieging an. Uh, a castle or another army or also a lot of them a lot of those pictures with a few of them in a group just like flying around looking yeah. happy maybe they're like kind of uh solo beings until they find a like deity or good person to help like maybe they just search out like help that needs or goodness that needs help maybe they're like drawn to like they're kind of just like Maybe they're wanderers a little bit in their realms until yeah. they find uh, somebody to be of service to. Yeah, it, it does say that they kind of uh, are seen helping people on missions of good natures quite a bit. Yeah. So. Yep. And there's like a named one uh, that's like a, a mount of a solar angel, I believe. Uh, Lulu. Yeah. The, the famous Hollyphant. Yeah, mm. she was... Um, she was the mount of a famous uh, celestial that ends up uh, being corrupted uh, and being the main big bad of Descent into Avernus, I believe, um, or something in Baldur's Gate. One of the big bads and was like her trusted mount and companion. And even after she was, uh, you know, given a new form, was unable to uh, kill the Hollyphant Lulu. And she was sent into whatever realm, Avernus and uh lost her memories damn yeah so quite a story um i haven't played that and i i know a little bit more but that would be spoilers for the campaign so um don't want to ruin it (laughs) because it is a good one i've heard yeah so let's uh, fill out this uh creature a little bit more with uh some more of its actions because i everything on this stat block is very unique it's not stuff you really see a lot Mm -hmm. i mean other than like you know, Trill. innate spell casting, magic weapon. Um, the trumpet three times a day can blow air through its trunk, creating a trumpet sound that can be heard uh, of a range to 600 feet, which is a lot. Uh, the trumpet creates a 30 foot cone of energy that has one of the following effects uh, chosen by the Holly fan. Uh, one of them is blasting. It's like a con save, and then they take a bunch of thunder damage and are deafened. Yeah. One of them is a positive burst of energy particles called sun sparkles yeah cute sun sparkles 
and they create they they inflict great damage to the undead. Yeah, which obviously tracks for the uh, Hollyphant. Uh, I think the most interesting thing about those two is um, the fact that the trumpet of blasting makes crazy damage to non-magical objects uh, that are in the cone. Uh, so it takes 10d6 thunder damage to non-magical objects. So we talked about them being Whoa. like instruments of war. You put 10 Hollyphants, even not in their mammoth form, they all trumpet a blast. Yeah, they're they're going through a wall. Like, Is that um, damage increase in the in its mastodon form? Uh, I think it's all the same. I think I don't think that I feel like the cones of effect should be different, or like the you areas. I feel like of... they should be right, but I don't think they I are. I feel like the yeah, I mean, like I think it's already super powerful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's super I powerful. I just you know, it's a like bigger trunk, bigger cone. Yeah, if you're like, oh, it's a. Yeah. Well, I guess it, it could be like a ten foot cone. Well, you you have a you know ogre mage doing yeah. a cone of cold isn't going to be any bigger than a gnome doing a cone of cold, right? But right. it's not like it's not coming from their from body part. Like, true, true. But I, I can imagine it's a it's a cone. You know, it has a point, so it, yeah. it's like going to be whether it's going to be like this or like this yeah kind of maybe shorter like, range uh bigger like wider cone bigger wider yeah yeah bars. maybe like uh just as the mastodon it has a longer range hmm. rather than like a a bigger necessarily area of effect maybe it just doesn't have to be quite as close i mean they're they're already little laser cannons <laughs> that's pretty scary Th thunder damage that's but you wild. know what I mean? Like no, yeah, absolutely. The side, like that's the one thing which I get why D and D does not do it because, like, there is so much that goes into every aspect of every step of lore, every bit of creature, every spell. That, like, if they also added on, like, oh well, the areas of effect change and like the way the spells work change, like based yeah. on the type of creature that it's like we kind of i get it we kind of already have done that with like well is it casting like warlock spells is it casting druid spells is it casting yeah. like that's probably as like the most specific we can get without it being too complicated i feel like that would have to be a dm's choice in a specific campaign if it mattered enough um yeah i think you would really need to be in a very specific situation yeah where you it's probably end game where you have a war a war hollyphant <laughs> taking down a castle or something or yeah. going up a, against something that would even if you know matter i mean personally if you got into that kind of situation i'd rule of cool it and make like yeah. a big you know make a paint a picture of a really cool scene where it it works or it doesn't but um like the walls of jericho coming down and shit. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um also one thing that got taken away from the Hollyphant, and i'm starting to see this as a trend for some of the earlier editions and i think that they've been taking the uh the portaling in new creature abilities away from them just because the style of play is different nowadays because we saw that with the the frog guys we just talked about the slod uh they had the ability to portal in more slod uh, the Hollyphant also had the ability; they had the ability to open a portal with a fifty percent chance of bringing in more Hollyphants, 
and like a 30% chance of bringing in uh, a specific type of angel that I can't remember. So, solars. Solars, yeah. Which uh, is a super powerful ability. I don't necessarily think as much as the slot should have that back that you should uh, in 5th edition. Just because, I don't, I don't know. It, I, I get personally, I feel less like they need that than the slot would as like their creature type. I feel like the reason that they would have it fits if they are more lonesome creatures that are traveling until they run into what they need because if they're if they're alone and they run into a big bad and they realize they're outmatched i get like it's like calling for help kind of thing yeah in battle like i get it in that sense but i completely understand that like i don't think that if even if they had the ability i don't think that they would use it if they were already surrounded by adventurers, uh, friends, and adventurers <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like yeah. fellow good beings. Like they wouldn't be like, we need more help. But if it was like alone, it like flying around the fucking realms, it might, and it runs into like a demonic creature or something. And it feels like it's outmatched. I can get why it might have that ability, yeah. but yeah, no, I, I can, I can see why they took it out as like a lot of creatures who had it in previous editions don't have it now. Yeah. I get why they took it out, but like I can also see why they had it. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, for some reason my coffee cup is missing and there's just a bunch of sparkles on my desk now. Sparkles. Um, yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to go grab some more. Uh so I'll I'll be right back. Good luck on your adventure. Hey guys, welcome back to another middle of the episode. We got to talk about a super cute little guy and make sure you go look a picture, look at a picture of a Holly fan. They are adorable. Uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us as always. Make sure you tell everyone you know about Mornings with Monsters because that's the best way other people could find our podcast. Uh, if you would like to put in a request for a monster you'd like us to discuss, you can reach us at morningswmonsters at gmail.com. Would be Super cool. We'll definitely talk about them. Anyways, as always, huge shout out to at Cake on Instagram. They did a cover art. Super cool stuff. Make sure you check it out. And also shout out for some stickers that we got from at Olava's Cryptid Crafts. That's going to do it for us today. We will see you. Uh, well, I will see you in the middle of the next episode with another monster. And I will now let you get back to the Hollywood. So I went into the kitchen and for some reason uh, there was a fresh fresh pot of coffee waiting for me. So that was weird. That's nice. That was, yeah, it was nice. Um, it's weird though. That was their version of pushing your coffee off the table. Oh, you <laughs> think it was a holly fan? I mean, it would track, right? Every sparkle time. bombing it, maybe. Did you see any more sparkles while you were out there? Oh yeah, all over the place. Oh yeah. But what? they were like fading, you know, they, they didn't stick around. Um, maybe they're playing with the cats and got like so excited and just like oh, some spark. Maybe, maybe. We'll, we'll find out, hopefully. Okay, let's hop into some prompt questions. Let's do it. Uh, so this one is a little difficult, I would say, um, personally. Would you make it a friend and how would you do so? Or would you make it a foe and how would you fight it? I mean, friend. <laughs> one, That's like... the obvious answer, right? 
Well, why would you want to? But well, here's the thing. Just because, like, we've we like this question we've we've been we've only answered for like evil things. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, we're gonna try and befriend evil things if they have the capability of being befriended. We're gonna still try and befriend the good thing. It just has better capabilities of being befriend. Are you kidding me? I want a fucking Holophant sidekick, like friend. Yeah. I want to be in that aura. That'd I want to be. Awesome. be like, How would you I befriend it? Snitch, like, fuck yeah. Well, based on Evan's animal handling skills, I don't know if I would actually befriend this thing, but. Yeah. But based on Alex's, well, it's not an animal technically. I think that That's you totally true. would. Yeah, as as like the person who I am, it would be fun as hell to because they're really empathic. So like I could sit in there like yummy warmth and it would be great, you know? Yeah. And they treasure friendship. How yeah. Like so cute. But like if you were to imagine Lorne. Yeah. I don't know if the the Holly fan would want to be Lorne's friend. (laughs) No, I, I don't think it would. But Lauren would want to, fi- I don't know, dissect it or yeah, fi- that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um. So here's I would like. I think Lauren would like that in, in aura of imperviousness, right? For himself. Yeah. I think we'd be able to convince you it was a better friend than dissection tool. Maybe there's there's something that bugs me a little bit about the Holly fans, uh, like in book description and we mentioned it already um the fact that it can't bear witness to an evil act without punishing the malefactor that's something we don't really see in the evil creatures where it says it can't witness a good act without right so to me i don't i don't necessarily like that part of it and that's because evil and good is subjective like yep it depends and there are so many like campaigns and stories where like the celestial or the righteous are really the ones that are in the wrong and yeah there is a a high chance that like okay so you're a party of adventurers and you were going to the celestial uh realm to uh usurp the throne or whatever it is uh from like a chaotic creature that knows that what's going on there is is wrong or has been corrupted over time or you know they're righteous and they've been going on crusades killing innocents because they you know do this or don't do that just you being there with that intention may be viewed as an evil act yeah so you might not like the holly fans very much when your intent is considered evil by them but main be the the high road you know <laughs> yeah right right like how much can holly fans be rationed with to be convinced that the celestial that they are working with is actually good or evil like just because they are lawfully good in the eyes of like the celestial um yeah. society like and that's the thing holly fans are celestial beings so uh, yeah so if you're if you're not if you're the opposite of that um if you're a fiend or you know working for a fiend or cool with the fiends 
she's probably gonna just straight up be viewed well, as evil it well it doesn't attack like neutral on like it's not like i have my yeah. most punished neutral people so like i think it could be like what's the intelligence on a holly fit 16 and their yeah. wisdom is 19 yeah, yeah so i think that they can easily be like well you know they might be like making a deal with these evil creatures but they're doing it because they will die if they don't or they will be corrupted themselves if like i think that that's a very good point i think they would be wise and intelligent enough to eventually determine that but you mm -hmm. aren't gonna have that be a thing without getting into a fight with one because i would assume that most of these holly fans are have a treasured friendship with their angel overlords that yeah. rule the celestial plane and many of them are their mounts have a counterpart i'm sure yeah true if i were to try to fight one because he didn't think that i would be like worthy of the goodly friend title i would drop all my weapons and i would just try to grapple him even though i know he's fast as fuck and then like once i have him grappled like that's it like i would i would just start talking you know what i mean like yeah put everything that i could into my persuasion and just go monologue in his ear while i have him down on the ground not necessarily hurting him just making sure he can't get away okay time um if i was a lich and i was you know i knew of the holly fans i would for sure try to capture one and put it in an amulet and like have it prodded to use its aura of invulnerability around me at all times <laughs> or wow. or possibly capture it and try and learn um how it uses its spells because they're very unique i mean it's hard to say what class they would fall under it's like a it's like a Think some kind of spell casting uh paladin class like yeah so it might be themselves though so yeah I would uh, I would corrupt it and turn it into a necrotic uh, variant. Wow. Gosh, feed it some bad dragon meat. Something. Something. And then you can have it flying around and like uh, using its empath abilities for bad things. Yeah. And how cool would it be to be fighting a lich and then a necrotic holyphant with like evil aura? <laughs> that uh, would be. It would be. Terrifying. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That. It just lends itself to the lichdom, like, pursuit of knowledge and magic. That's true. So, I just like to play, uh, you know, devil's advocate a little bit, play both sides. Lich's advocate. Lich's advocate, always. <laughs> um, okay, so if you were to homebrew this monster, would you add or change anything? I mean, we kind of talked about that a little bit with the like calling so, of friends ability yeah i think i would i would give it back but i would lessen the stats of successfully um, summoning something higher than a holly fan you know like i would i would give like no yeah. more than a 10 percent chance of it happening yeah like really low like super yeah, desperate just because, like yeah like yeah i would say you know you roll on it in normal cases, you have a 5% chance, but like in a, a truly desperate 
situation, you roll on it with advantage and, you know, you up your chances of getting it a little bit. I kind of like give it a a 30% chance to summon another Hollyphant and give it a 5% chance to summon a hostile angel. So hostile towards it? Towards it and the party or just the oh, party. Shit. <laughs> Cause like there's a 5% chance you're dealing with something that's most likely stronger than what you're going up against. Yeah. Which is fun. I mean, it might be hostile towards the other creature too, but I think that's a fun like little mechanic. Oh, that's terrifying. That's why I don't fuck with the greater deities. Yeah. Scary. Honestly, I like these guys a lot. I think they're very well balanced. I don't think I would change too much. I might give them planar shifting or something, but that's I I can't really think of anything. Yeah. I feel like how fast they can fly and like. Yeah, it's very unique. Like they don't need to be able to planarly shift even. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. And I'm sure like angels have that ability. I just like the idea of these little creatures can, they won't avoid fights, but like they'll also do what's needed for the greater good so that if like it's desperate, all of their team members die and they're about to die, they can shift into the celestial plane and go get more help. Yeah. But they, but before that happens, they can shift into a giant mammoth version of themselves. Yeah, that's true. That's why, you know, that's why I think they're good, but. Just for storytelling. Storytelling, that would be a nice role play out. Yeah, just like have an angel come back and resurrect you guys in a hopeless battle or something. But only if it was intentionally hopeless. Yeah. Like a like a beginning of a campaign kind of thing. Right. Like where you're going up against something like CR 20 plus as third level characters something like that i don't know <laughs> other than that i think they're pretty solid uh do we yeah. agree with their base alignment yeah lawful good i do i think so because we've talked about how alignments can be viewed based on society because yeah. it's like lawful is only lawful in the eyes of wherever you are yeah. Yeah, I think the only way that that uh, alignment would be debatably wrong is if they were treasuring a friendship to something with nefarious intent a little bit too much, uh, and then yeah. blindly follow it. But they're very smart, so they might not. At a certain yeah. point, they wouldn't kill innocents. So I'd say lawful good. Is I will tracks. say they started as lawful good in first edition, but second. And third edition, they were neutral good. Hmm. Um, until that was just so ed- people wouldn't feel terrible about fighting their awesome monsters they had. Probably. No, I don't know. Well, you need something to fight while you're in the celestial realm. If, like, in your campaign, the angels are actually good. Yeah, I gotta have some kind of fodder, right? Ooh, so sad. Cute little elephant fodder. Yeah. No, you would die. That gives well, us just enough time for our last prompt question. How would you like to see them in gameplay or media? I want to see a swarm. A swarm? Swarm of them. Oh, God. Them in the astral sea that have taken over. Oh. Like, uh, I've been researching the astral sea a little bit for our upcoming game. And I got excited when I saw that they travel through that and, like, can be found there um but i like the idea of like they 
kind of created like their own little gathering spot in like um God, the... it would be like the Care Bear place. Yeah. <laughs> just like in the just Holland of... fans. Yeah. So like there are the remains of dead gods, like kind of just oh, out never in the mind. Okay. Well no, I like but I think like that would be like the energy there would be like they'd be like drawn to it almost like like a good aligned dead god something like that yeah and then they just like kind of this swarm of of holly fans that i don't know like they just that's just like where they they've like all kind of gravitated to so now they have like this little society there and like every now and again they they get summoned or like they have to they have to leave and help whoever they need to help but i don't know i just they could be fun to see them, like, a bunch of them in one place interacting, flying and zipping around. Sounds fun. I I have one I've been thinking about a little bit. I think that the Hollyphant seems like it would be, like, the best familiar in the game to me as, like, a, yeah. a paladin, possibly. I do yeah. think that would be fun. But I was also thinking, as a DM, this thing's too powerful to, to have as a familiar for the entire campaign. So... That kind of got me thinking about like how I would balance it to make it work, uh, which turned into a like, oh, this is going to be a perfect answer for our prompt question, um, how I would like to see it. Uh, give the Hollyphant to, you know, first or third level character uh, as a, um, a familiar, but nerf the hell out of it. And it can't transform because it's lost its memory. And okay. it doesn't know of its abilities other than its flying speed. And for some reason, it can't get hit by spells. And so as you go through uh, the campaign, it maybe sees things that trigger its... Uh, it basically awakens more and more of its stat block uh, until like, one day it uses its trumper, trumpet and glitter comes out. And um, it you know it's like, oh shit, now I can do this. And then once you're level like 18 and you ride into battle, uh, something awakens within it and it turns into a giant mount. And, you know, so give give the Holophant uh, a bit of a character arc. That would be dope. Yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun because this animal, if you nerf it at level like one, two, three, um, would like without changing its base stats uh, would lend itself very well to leveling up with you. Yeah. That would be imagine. cool as hell. I mean, that's a 20 level mount, like a level 20 mount. Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> so that's what I would want to see. Plus, that would be, you know, like in D&D, people covet certain things more than others in part of in this experience. And like scaling items are yeah. like one of those things. And like it, having a mount that scales with you and and grows in its abilities, that would be incredible. Yeah, they do that. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't even be a mount at first, uh, unless you're a gnome, I guess. That's kind of like, I, I've been taking that approach in my campaign with certain familiars that are like special, your non-normal ones, like our, yeah. our druid found a, a puppy blink dog in, oh, okay. in the campaign. And um, I was like, okay, well, you can't have a blink dog this early, you know, sorry. But yeah. like, you can, you can have this puppy and if you keep him alive and you tell me like in game, in character, like, how you're going to keep him alive then if you guys make it to the next chapter he'll be alive things didn't work out that way and he ended up eating the heart of his mom who just died and transformed into a full-size blink dog but it's still cool to like 
give the players something to work towards that isn't their own character. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. I do like that. Like having outside goals, I think for your character that are just like a little bit simpler than the grand scheme plan of the campaign can really help like your players develop their characters better. Absolutely. Yep. It's also an awesome world building tool. <laughs> yeah. Just like a, yeah. a side quest that is progressing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I really, I do like that. It, I like that as a, as a player. Cause like that, I am a, pl- I mean, I'm a player in all these campaigns we talk about. Yeah. I, I love that. And it's like, sure. The blink dog is in our party. My character barely has anything to do with the blink dog, but like, I'm still like, I have to, you know, look out for this party member because if this party member is aware that Wittershins is within like danger realms, then they're not thinking about themselves. They're thinking about Wittershins. So it's like, yeah. and there's four party, like we're kind of all of that like mindset, but there's like two party members that would, they're going to go down before they let Wittershins go down. Well. So yeah, it's well, I've, two to three I've, party members, I would say. We've accidentally uh, enacted such a sacrificial mechanic in our party. Yeah. Um, through through just like bonding with an NPC that wasn't supposed to be there, but somebody got a critical role in their investigation in the Feywild. So crit happens. <laughs> I think from my from my uh, view on the Holly fan, it would be really interesting to kind of. Um, tie in what you were saying, Dylan, about them being an amazing familiar. Mm-hmm. But I would love to watch, like maybe even as like the setup of a campaign where a bunch of adventurers are about to go do some shit, but like this is like the, you know, vision or whatever that everybody sees is like you you see a solar angel down in Avernus. You know what I mean? He's like the only glowing thing in this in- entire like swirling pit of black and red. Um, and like on his shoulder is uh, cowering this like scared, but, you know, fluffy and, and gentle Holly fan. And they're, they go deep through a Vernus and they're, they, something happens where either the solar is ca- captured or he's killed or they get separated to the point where like they can't find each other. And the rest of the storyline is we get player bits where the players are like journeying to Avernus slash in Avernus to try to find one of two of these things. But the DM will pause the play every once in a while to give the party a view of the Holly fan struggling to like find its way through this terrible place and into safety. And like, yes, it can't be hit by certain levels of spells, but who knows what kind of creatures dwell in this plane. And and it is not meant for this plane, like the no. the, the tr- atrocities and the evils that it will be witnessing just by walking through it is got to be really sickening for it. And I think it will it would drive the players on to make foolhardy decisions, you know, quick decisions that work out because of luck, plan decisions that fall apart because of something that they didn't see. Like it has a lot of potential yeah. to play into a lot of emotional play, you know? Yeah. I like that a lot. And so you're talking about putting them uh, or you're talking about like cutting away from the party and showing them image or explaining Uh imagery of something totally separate from them. Yep. 
Yeah, that's yep. um that would be really cool. I've always considered doing something like that where like, like randomly you see the villain looking over, you know, his army or something. Yeah. It's Plus hard, I could play it, I could play into it really easily like maybe maybe the party doesn't know, but they have like a reason outside of this to go to Avernus and once like, they get near enough, they start getting huge like emotional imprint images because this Holly fan is terrified and it's just basically shouting telepathically for any any goodly creature to help it. And if you have like a telepathically inclined party member, like yeah. say like Svetla or somebody, it could even be like those images where you're cutting out and you're like explaining it to the to the party when it's like it might not be like all of them are seeing this yet. They're not like seeing these flashes or anything, but right. like it could be like haunting one party member and they don't yeah. know where this creature is. They just know it's terrified and in trouble <laughs> and like they want to help it. Or maybe it's like the paladin of the group that's haunted by it. Somebody that's like celestial or like God inclined. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I think that I really I mean, like you, that idea. Like you could even have a warlock in your party who's getting like, moments of of like evil glee from their patron because yeah. the, they're just like chasing some celestial being through Avernus and like you wouldn't know that that's what's happening but you're just like getting this like emotional imprint from your your patron that would be really interesting and then like the closer the party gets like the stronger the more they all feel yeah signal is so like then once you're close enough it's like you can't not hear and see the like harm that's being done to this yeah. creature. The yeah. what is it? The calls of like just help me. Right. Shit. And I mean, if you build it right, maybe even like somebody like a warlock would have second guesses. Like, oh man, should I really be like down with this chase, or should I be helping my party try to find this thing? You know? Yeah. And then at the end of it, you have to decide whether... Because the Hollyphant wants you to save this evil demon, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, if, he, at least they want to find the solar that they came with, regardless yeah. of what happened to it, you know? Yeah. And then that, that's a whole that'd be, arc. That'd be your end game. The end game, the Hollyphant does its mammoth form and turns on the party. <laughs> oh! when it sees that it's like was corrupted by the abyssal it it in a moment of uh grief attacks the party and you have to deal with that whether you kill it or turn it or not or holly convince it through uh some nat 20 charisma based checks to try and like convince it that its pursuit is not good yeah, that'd be fun. I feel like these are See, this, very emotional little guys. This would be a, a campaign where we would need our mimic race developed because I would absolutely go in balls deep as a mimic race bard class. Yeah. And I would absolutely just devastate this dude. Yeah. <laughs> I I think so. Yeah. A mimic bard. Oof, scary. That would be a cool one because I feel like instead of, like, as a mimic race, 
they all you have some sort of mimic race talk. Oh yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Me. I get that gets my my brain just <laughs> we'll locked. We'll literally talk on that for hours, around. maybe. Locked in. It could be anything. <laughs> it could be so much. Maybe we'll do we're we'll do mimic we're, week. We'll drop we one episode to, a day for a week about mimics. <laughs> and yeah, maybe know. our last episode that week will be us revealing our our fully fleshed race. Oh god, we just have to <laughs> we just have to flesh it out first. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we'll, that's... we'll be we'll have three days together in the same place oh, soon. So yep. that's true. Oh, there he is! Look at that guy. He's just uh, floating around. Hey, buddy! Inside or outside? I, oh, he's he's in my room. I'm gonna pet oh. him. Oh my! God. Oh my God! He just transformed. He broke my ceiling. Holy I, shit! I gotta. We gotta wrap up here. He still looks happy, but man, he doesn't fit in here. Um, I spells. <laughs> don't use I won't use spells. I'm not an innate spellcaster, unfortunately. Good luck with that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what class I am. Farmer. You say farmer? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I would say you would be like you would be you would be like a bard scribe. <laughs> sure. Yeah, like that. That works. <laughs> You're charismatic scribe. as fuck. And <laughs> You also have like a keeper of the knowledge vibe. Oh, you know, but like what you do with that knowledge is not like lord it over people or like um, make people feel dumb about it. You're like, hey, this is super cool, and it it would be super cool if you listen to me. And then those people are like, dude, that is super cool, and now I'm super cool for knowing it. <laughs> so you're like, you like you're like a bard who who convinces people that you're not the enemy by teaching them things. I like it. I'm a, a, a bard scribe with a nerd subclass. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, I'm going to have to deal with this giant celestial mammoth in my room. I, I think that's going to do it for us this week on mornings with monsters. We'll see you uh, in a week with another morning with another monster. That's going to do it for us. I'm Dylan. I'm Alex. Bye. Bye. <laughs>